Hopefully it'll be funny at times, but I'm going to be a little bit more serious here to start off. I know usually I try to share a funny story, but uh, yeah, so I just want to kind of share or bring you into my world over the last 18 months and the journey that Emily and I have been on. So it's been a pretty crazy 18 months for us. Uh, so one thing that Emily and I have both desired eagerly, you know, for me, I can uh, remember even from the time I was really young, desperately desired to be a father, and she's always desired to be a mother, and some, or so something we've always wanted is to have children. You know, right when we started dating and realized we wanted to get married, we started talking about children, talking about what our kids' names would be, what they would be like, those kind of things. But, you know, we got married when we were 20, so we didn't want to have children right away. Holy cow, this is just like crowded over here compared to over there. It's all right. (laughs) So anyways, uh, so yeah, so five years ago we got married. We were 20, and, and we knew it wouldn't be wise to try to have children right away. But then 18 months ago in November of 2016, so about 17 months ago, we decided that uh, we felt like it was time to start trying for children and to take those steps. And we knew that, that there was a chance that it would be difficult because of some health complications we had. So we decided to get it checked out and to see from the doctor, you know, uh, what we need to do to have children. And we realized that it might be a little bit difficult. But then uh, we really felt like from the very beginning, I felt like God spoke clearly to me and said, Daniel, you're not to get help. You're just to trust me. And, and to watch me do it. So that's what I felt like we were supposed to do. So summer 2017 rolls around. It's been about six months and nothing's happened. There's no progress. And uh, I'm beginning to get a little bit um, frustrated with God. Let's just say that. So honestly, uh, last summer was probably one of the darkest times of my life. Not only for that, but also struggling with anxiety, something I've struggled with for my whole life. And was just going through a bout with that. So I can remember in July... I went to a Bethel Music concert in Des Moines, and they sang the song Take Courage, you know, that we sang tonight. I can remember just feeling the weight of that song, and maybe tonight you're feeling the weight of that song. There's something going on in your life that is just tough, and you don't know where God's at. You're just like, what is God doing? But then at the beginning of August, I felt, or I scheduled to preach at a church, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to preach on God's power to do the impossible. So simply put, my sermon was titled God of Power. And I preached on how God can do the impossible. And really, that sermon was just an offering of faith to God to say, like, you know what? Uh, We're not making any progress with this thing, but I'm just going to proclaim what I know is true and that you're the God that does the impossible. You're the God of miracles. I can remember the first time I ever had heard this song led in worship was Yes and Amen at that church. You know, all your promises are yes and amen. So both these songs tie in with my sermon, although we didn't plan that. But, you know, we're brothers. You know, me and Derek, Derek chooses the song, so maybe there's some type of, like, wavelength going on there. But anyway, so yes and amen really encouraged me. God's promises are yes and amen. I jumped up there. I preached the message and said, God can do the impossible. And specifically, I was talking about the campus because I was raising money for Chi Alpha. But in my heart, it wasn't really about the campus. It was about, you know, trying to have children. Three weeks later, it was almost like God responded to my offering of faith, and we were pregnant. We found out we were pregnant right before the launch service. So maybe you came for the first time to Chi Alpha at the very first service this year, three hours before that service started, I had found out that after 10 months of praying, God had answered our prayer, and it was one of the most joyful moments of my life. But then a week later, we got the sad news on Wednesday, right after the uh, the next Chi Alpha, that Emily was going to miscarry. So just imagine what was going on in my head. You know, we spent all this time praying, and it was like God had answered the prayer, And then all of a sudden it was gone. And it was so confusing. I've never been more confused in my life. I'm still confused about it in some ways. But God's given me more clarity now. But it's almost like 
I got this present. It was all wrapped up well, and then all of a sudden someone stole the present away before I could open it. And, and for the next six months, really, God took us into a new season. So the first season was kind of this season of be full of faith, believe that God can do or do the impossible, expect big things, pray that God would do a miracle in your life. That was the first uh, few months. But then these last six months were really, so not being faith-filled as much as being faithful. So faithful is more when you, or when things are not going your way, how do you respond to God? Do you shake your fists at him? Do you get frustrated with him? Or do you say, God, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me at all, but I trust you, and I'm going to lean into you and proclaim the truth that you're good, even when my circumstances are not. So we went on this journey, and God like, like just really taught us this idea of being faithful. So that was kind of September to January. And I'll come back to the story, but, but I can't help but just wonder if you're in here tonight and you're going through one of those two seasons. So, or so maybe you're in a similar space to what Emily and I were in in t- the beginning of 2017 and throughout, where God is asking you to, or to raise the lid of your expectations and to believe that he can really do miracles in your life, to really believe that God can come through and do the impossible. Maybe you have really tiny faith and you don't believe that God is actually God and he can do the impossible. I mean, the God we serve, like he literally parted the Red Sea so the Israelites could walk through it. He stopped the sun in the book of Joshua and the sun stood still so the Israelites could continue to battle throughout the day and so there could be daylight. God is a God of miracles. He's the God of the impossible. And sometimes our expectations are far too small and we don't actually believe that he's strong enough to save. We don't believe that he is big enough to do miracles. You know, so maybe tonight there's a relationship in your life that's broken. There's bitterness, there's strife in that relationship. And you've thought there's no way that God could heal that uh, relationship. But tonight I think God wants to change your perspective and to say, yes, I can heal that relationship. Or, or maybe there's a dream in your heart tonight, but it hasn't come to pass yet, and it's all but died. But tonight, I believe that God's going to call you to believe again. Or maybe, just maybe, there's someone in your family or someone in your friend circle that, that you've been praying that they would be saved, that they would come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you've all but given up on them. But I think tonight, God wants you to believe that he could save even those who are furthest from him. So I don't know where you're at, but I believe tonight that God wants to raise the lid of our expectations, all right? But on the other hand, maybe you're here tonight, and it's not really as much about being faith-filled as God's calling you to be faithful. Some things have happened that don't make sense to you, and God is asking you to trust him and to, and to remain steadfast even in the midst of the storm. He's asking you to serve him and to love him despite your circumstances. We don't serve God because of our circumstances, but instead we serve him even despite the unfortunate circumstances in our life. So maybe this last school year, there was a family member who died, and you don't understand why God allowed that person to be taken from you so, or so early. And tonight, you just need to be, or to be reminded that although you, although you don't understand, God is good. Or maybe you've gone through a breakup or, or something's happened in a relationship that's been broken, and tonight, even though that relationship might not come back together, you need to be reminded that God has good plans for your life. And even if you're not meant to be with that person, he may have someone else for you down the road. Or maybe tonight, things just have not worked out the way that you want them to, to this point in your life. You're pretty disappointed at this point in your life. And, and tonight, God wants to, to, to remind you that he has plans for you. He has hopes for you. Or maybe you've been trying to pursue a certain path, and it just seems like every time you go down this road, doors get slammed shut in your face. It doesn't matter how hard you try, how hard you work, 
The doors just keep slamming shut. So no matter where you're at, I believe tonight that, that God wants us to get a posture that says, even though I don't understand, even though I don't get it, I know you're good, and I know that you have good intentions for my life. I know you have good intentions for my life. That's been something that God's really had to teach me over the last six or seven months, that he has good intentions, that he has good intentions for me. And that's hard to believe at times, especially when you go through something like we went through. But, but God has good intentions for you. He's not a bad father. He's a good father who wants good things for you. So with this idea of being a people full of faith and also being a people who are faithful, we're going to continue our series in the book of Daniel tonight. And this is a man who, who really modeled this well, of being a man who was full of faith, but at the same time faithful. So if you're just joining us in our series for the last three weeks or four weeks now, uh, we've been looking at the book of Daniel to see how we can leave a legacy on this planet for Jesus. Daniel is someone who left an incredible legacy behind him in Babylon. And, and for the last few weeks, we've been taking some lessons from the book to see how we can leave a legacy at you and I, and also leave a legacy as we go from here. So the book of Daniel was written by Daniel in about the 6th century BC, or Daniel lived in the 6th century BC, and, and it records the events and the visions that he saw during his time of exile. Okay, so Israel was this kingdom in the Old Testament. So the story of the Old Testament is really the story of Israel. It's a people, it's a nation, and they were a kingdom, but then Babylon came in, they took down the kingdom, and then they exiled the Israelites throughout the empire of Babylon. Okay, so that's what kingdoms would do back then. If they took over a country, they would then exile the people so they could not perform a coup and take their country back. So Daniel finds himself in Babylon, in the Babylonian court. He's actually a very exceptional person. We'll see, very skilled, very smart. So he ended up in the Babylonian court and worked very closely with the king. And, there, and throughout the book, the kings, there's different kings that he serves under, and they continue to try to get him to bow down to their gods and to become just like them. But Daniel continues to refuse. And actually what happens is they're trying to influence Daniel. He kind of flips it on them, and he influences them for Yahweh, which is the God of the Bible, in his name. It's quite incredible. And I think we can take a lot of lessons from it as we're living in what's called a post-Christian society. So similar to Babylon in the sense that uh, the average person does not serve Jesus. And God has called us not to be influenced, but instead to go and influence other people. So throughout these, uh, the series, we've had a couple different things we talked about. The first week we talked about just that, how God has called us to be a people of influence. And we looked at how Daniel was a person of influence because he was excellent at what he did. He was just really good at what he did. And we saw how Daniel was a person of the Spirit. And when you're a person of the Spirit and you have access to mysteries and you have access to God, people listen to what you say. And also we saw how Daniel was holy. Like he just lived a holy life. And when you live a holy life, it influences other people. And then in week two, we looked at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which are Daniel's three friends who were also in Babylon, and how they were told to bow down to an idol. And if they didn't, then they were going to be thrown into a furnace. Okay, that doesn't sound good, right? They're thrown into the furnace, though, and they don't die. Like they don't bow down to the idol. They're thrown into the furnace. And then Jesus walks with them through the furnace and saves them. And their faith and their, uh, and their resolve to not conform actually delivers them. And then we saw last week, Pastor Jason did an incredible job. Can we give Jason a clap from last week? That was an incredible job. So last week, Pastor Jason talked about humility. And we looked at King Nebuchadnezzar and his son and how they were just the most prideful kings and how this led to their downfall. And we juxtaposed that with Daniel's who or Daniel's humility, and saw how if we can be a people of humility, then we can have influence with others. And now tonight, we're going to look at how Daniel's in a similar situation to what his friends were in, and he's told to not pray to his God, 
And if he does, he's going to be thrown into a lion's den. But Daniel refuses to listen to Babylon, and he's thrown into the lion's den, and Daniel's faith delivers him. So tonight we're going to look at this idea of how each of us can leave a legacy if we decide to be a people who are full of faith. So let's take a look at that tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. And tonight's message is going to be called A Legacy of Faith. And it's our last message in this series. So as you're turning there, I just want to pray for us. And then we're going to jump into it. Just like the last few weeks, we're just going to read the passage and get some points from the passage. All right. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you just for your presence here tonight. And God, we pray that this book, that, that this chapter, chapter 6 of Daniel, it's, or perhaps we've read it before and it hasn't stirred our hearts. But God, I pray tonight that the, that the words on the page would jump out into our spirits and, and that it would cause us to be different that would encourage us to be a people who are full of faith and a people who are faithful. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last week we saw that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's son, who was then the king, uh, died, all right? And now there's a new king. So this is the third king we've seen in the book of Daniel. Now it's King Darius, and now Babylon has been taken over by Persia. So now Daniel's been through three kings and two empires. It's quite incredible. So let's read and see what happens here in verse 1. It says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one. So Daniel was one of the highest, or one of the highest officials, to whom these satraps should give an account, so that the king might not suffer any loss. So the king had appointed overseers of his people to protect from uprisings and and to make sure that he wouldn't have any losses in his kingdom. And Daniel was one of those people because he was above reproach and he would do a good job. So let's read in verse 3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was within him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful because he was faithful. Get that tonight. Because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless, there's one way you can find a ground of complaint, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So they knew that there was no way that Daniel was going to disobey the law of their kingdom unless it conflicted with the law of his God. So they knew the only way that Daniel would disobey the law of the land was if he had to disobey it so he could be obedient to God. That's the only way you could get Daniel. I hope that could be us in this place, that each of us would be so faithful that the only way we disobey the laws of our land is if it conflicts with the law of our God. That's who Daniel was. So the first thing we're going to find tonight in this passage is if we want to leave a legacy of faith, we we have to be faithful. We have to be trustworthy. As we've seen throughout this series, Daniel was an exceptional man. He wasn't just like any other man. This man lived a holy life. He did everything with excellence. He followed the leading of the Holy Spirit, and he operated in profound humility. It's really tough to find something wrong with this guy. And here at the beginning of chapter 6, we see that Daniel's influence had grown through three kings and two kingdoms. His influence continued to grow. And in verse 3, it says that he became distinguished above all the other high officials because an excellent spirit was within him. He was elevated in, in leadership because he did things with excellence and he had a great spirit about him. Have you met someone who just has a great spirit about them? You're just like, I like that person. I want to be around that person. They're so encouraging. They have a great spirit about them. 
That was Daniel, very positive, I bet. Just a very good guy to be around. In verse 4, it says that the other officials sought to find grounds to complain about them, but they couldn't find anything because he was so faithful both to the law of the land and to the law of his God. They could not find fault with him. And again, the only way they could find an accusation is if they could get him to have to disobey the law of the land so he could obey the law of God. So with that said, if we want to be a people in this space to leave a legacy of faith on our campus and in our lives, we have to be like Daniel in the sense that uh, we're faithful, that, that we're a people who are trustworthy, a people who do what they say they will do. And, and being faithful has multiple elements to it. There's so much to it, but I think a few things I can draw from it just to apply it to your life. Says one thing about being faithful is you're reliable. Like when you say, hey, I'm going to do this, then you do it. Like you don't just say things and then not do it, but you keep your word. You're reliable to do what you say you will do. Daniel was so reliable, the king could trust him with the whole kingdom because he knew that Daniel would take care of it. Daniel would do his best. So for you as college students, being reliable means that you, or that when you say you're going to do something, you do it. And people can trust you with, or trust your word, and they trust that you'll do your best. So this applies to doing your schoolwork well. Do your homework. Do a good job at your job. Like, don't complain about your boss, but be faithful there, even if your boss is a butt. Be good. Be faithful to your boss. Don't talk bad about him or her, but be faithful to your boss. Keep your word to your friends. Don't gossip about your friends. Don't hear something from one friend and then go give it to the other. Be faithful. Be reliable. Be committed to your faith community. And I know I'm biased, but I want you to be faithful here, to be here every week, to be a part of the community. That's part of being reliable. So, that's one aspect, but another aspect is trusting God enough to obey him. So disobedience is always linked to a lack of trust that God is good. Because the reason we disobey is we think that God is hiding something from us. We think if we disobey God, then we'll find more happiness in that space. But God is good, his commands are good, and he gives us rules or laws to live by because he wants what's best for us. When we get to the space where we're faithful and we obey God's commands, in this space we'll have joy and we'll flourish but every time we distrust that God is good, then we start to disobey because we think we can find something better outside of his commands. So that's the, the second part. You know, John 10.10 10 says this, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came, this is Jesus, that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus came so you could have life and to have it abundantly. He didn't come to steal your fun. He came so that you would have life and have it to the full. We can trust this God. He came to give us abundant life, and Daniel understood this. He knew that if he obeyed God's commands, then in that space he would find joy. He trusted God. This word for faithful in the Hebrew is aman, and it means to believe or to trust. So Daniel trusted in God so much that he actually did what God told him to do. When you trust God's goodness, you honor him in purity and sobriety and holy speech in your thought life, because you know that it's the best way to live. So being faithful means that you're reliable. It means that you obey God, but it also means that you trust God even when you don't understand. It means you continue to worship through the storms of life. It means you continue to, to proclaim God's goodness even when your life isn't very good at the time. It's, it's this idea that it doesn't matter what happens. If it the whole world can be taken from me. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm still going to obey and worship Jesus because I know he has good intentions for my life. 
All right, so the first five verses capture this idea of being faithful, as I talked about at the beginning, but, but it continues in verse 6. Let's read this. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, and they say, live forever. I, they do this always when they talk to the king, like, like a little bit of kiss up before they talk to him. So, this is in verse 7. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition or praise to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And now, O king, establish the injunction and sign this document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and of the Persians, which cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed this document. And when Daniel heard that the document had been signed, he went to his house. This is what Daniel did. He said, okay, they told me not to pray. So what does he do? He goes to his house. I feel like this is kind of rebellious here. But he opens his windows. He, he looks towards Jerusalem, which is the capital city of Israel. He gets down on his knees, and three times a day he prayed and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done previously. So he's like, I don't really care what you say. I'm still going to love Jesus or God. Then these three men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they, came, then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign this injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you will be cast into a den of lions? The king answered and said, This thing stands fast according to the law, which cannot be revoked. Verse 13, Then they answered and they said before the king, Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction that you have signed, but instead he makes his petition three times a day. So with all that said, that's a lot of scripture. If we want to leave a legacy of faith, we, or of faith, we must fear God over man. So the, these officials tried to entrap Daniel. They tried to get him in a rock in a hard place. They tried to get him to disobey the law. You can't help but see the similarities between Daniel's story and the story we read two weeks ago of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where they were uh, where the king was trying to force them to worship their God, and then they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Both of them, it says, both of these groups, Daniel and his friends, both just paid no attention to the king. They're like, I don't really care what you say. I'm still gonna, going to love my God. I love how when they were faced with life-threatening situations, they pressed in more, and they said, I'm going to obey God because God is good, and God will deliver me. And even if he doesn't deliver me, I still know he's good, and I'm still going to obey him. So Daniel's decision to do this leads us to another important aspect of our faith, and, and that's to fear God over man. The fear of man is the cause of so many sins, cause of so many sins, a multitude of sins. It causes, us, it causes us to waver in our commitment to God. It causes us to not do what God has called us to do. It, call, it causes us to not be who God has called us to be, and it causes us to conform to this world and to what our friends are doing. So we need to get such a love in such an awe and fear for God that, that, that no matter what the world tells us to do or threaten us with, we refuse to let up in our faith. So what's the cure for the fear of man? Well, it's a love for God. First John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So if you're struggling with fear of man tonight, which I'm in that boat, I struggle with that. If you're struggling with that tonight, then you need to understand that God is for you, that God loves you. And as you allow that truth, that God loves you, that God is for you, and if God is for you, then who can be against you? As you allow that truth to seep into your heart, it's going to drive out the fear. God's love drives out 
fear. As you know that God loves me. God is good. He has good things for me. It drives out the fear of man because you know that God has your back. Psalm 118.6 says this, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to you? Nothing. There's nothing of lasting importance that any man can do to us if God is for us. So when you get this healthy fear of God and this understanding of his deep love for you, it drives out fear of man. And it enables you to live a life of faith no matter your circumstances. So as you interact with other students on this campus and, and people in your life, people who are sometimes hostile towards your faith, we talked about this a lot a couple weeks ago, but, but as you interact with people who, who aren't friendly towards Christianity or to the way you live your life, you just have to, to commit yourself to being more concerned about God's opinion of you than anyone else's opinion of you. You have to allow the fear of God to get into your heart. Seniors, I'm talking to you. There's like 12 of you. I don't know if you're all here tonight. But seniors, as you go out from here and do not have this high level of accountability that you get in Chi Alpha, which is really high, you're probably not going to get it anywhere else. If you're in a small group, you get held accountable pretty well here. As you go out from here and all of a sudden there's no small group leader texting you and saying, hey, you are loving Jesus? Are you reading your Bible? Are you struggling with any addiction? Because you're not having someone do that, there's going to be this temptation to let up in your faith to begin to live more like the world. And I want to encourage you right now to begin to think about who will you serve and put first in your life? You know, Joshua says in, in Joshua 24, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I pray that that would be the cry of your hearts all throughout your life. If you don't follow Jesus 10 years from now, then I've failed as your pastor. It's not about these four years. It's not just about these four years. It's about your life, a whole lifetime of loving and serving Jesus. And I pray that you would plug into a local church and that you would put God before anything else in your life. So seniors, get that, all right? I'm going to keep saying that over the next couple of weeks. All right, so let's go down. We're going to go to the next verses here in 14 through 24. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. So this king loved Daniel so much, he's like, I'm going to try to get him out. What a weird king. And he labored till the sun and went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king. So these men are reminding the king, saying, Hey, like you can't disobey your own law. It can't be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of the lions. And the king declared to Daniel, he's like, Please, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. I really like you. You're so much fun to be around. You're so encouraging. You're so positive. Please don't leave my court. And then he says in verse 17, And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of the lords, or of his lords, that, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the whole night fasting. Like, now the king is fasting. And no diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to, to the den of the lions. It's like Christmas morning. He's running down. He's trying to see. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The, or the king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O oh, king, live forever. I feel like he's smirking when he says this. He says, My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me. Like, they've just been cuddling with me this whole time. Because I was found blameless, you know, okay, I could talk about cats for a while, but anyways, because I was blameless, or found blameless before him, and also before you, O oh, king, I've done no harm. And the king was exceedingly glad 
and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. I don't this part's kind of graphic. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Okay, if you're like, whoa, what's going on here? I just want you to know, the king did this, not God, all right? So this is Persia's king doing this. But anyways, the third point is this. If we want to leave a legacy of faith, we must trust God and his promises even when our situation seems impossible. I love this part of the story. The king loves Daniel so much that even though he made this decree and had to throw Daniel into the lion's den, he prayed for his delivery. Then he comes in the morning and, and sees that Daniel has not been harmed. And in verse 23, it says that there's no kind of harm brought on him because he trusted in God. I love that, that Daniel's trust is linked to his deliverance. He trusted God. God wants all of us in this room, every single person in this room, to get to a point in our faith where we trust him and his purposes for our lives, even when the odds are stacked up against us. Sometimes God is going to allow your back to get put up against the wall. He will. He will allow things to come into your life. He will, God will allow you to get in, in this place where if he doesn't show up, then you won't be delivered. God will allow this to happen at times in your life. And he does this because when we get in these impossible situations and we cry out for God and then he delivers us, it grows our trust in him. It grows our intimacy with him. I've never been closer to Jesus in my life. Never. It's not even close. I feel like I didn't even really know him before the season we went through. Because when you're in those seasons, it draws you close to him. And then if you get to see him deliver you, it, it, it grows your faith. There's a story in the book of Judges about this man named Gideon, who God used to lead, who God used to lead the Israelite army into victory. He's preparing to go into battle. And God tells him, he says, before you go into battle, dwindle down your forces. Dwindle them down so that if you win, you can't take credit for it. So he brings his forces all the way down to 300 people against the other armies, thousands of people. And God had him do this just so Gideon could not take credit for the battle. You know, Judges 7-2 says, The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give, the, or to give the Midianites into their hand, unless Israel boasts over me, saying that it's my own hand that saved me. So God makes him do this because he wants to get credit for delivering him. So God allowed Gideon's back to get shoved up against the wall so he could deliver him. And so Gideon could know that his God was for him and that his God was the one who did the, or did the delivering. So I think we need to start praying some prayers that are not going to be answered unless God shows up. I feel like we pray prayers and then we try to work it all out for God. Sometimes we need to pray prayers that, that if God does not show up, then we're not going to see our prayers answered. We're not going to see that thing happen in our life. And you may get discouraged as you pray these crazy prayers. I prayed a lot of crazy prayers in my life that have not gotten answered. I can tell you some funny stories about prayers I prayed that were really uh, just immature prayers, but we're not going to do that tonight. But anyways, if you pray... But here's the thing, if you pray 99 times these bold, audacious prayers and they get, or every time you get told no on all 99 of those times, but then on the 100th time of praying a bold, out, outlandish, crazy prayer, God comes through and answers it, then all those 99 prayers that just were left unanswered, all those prayers are worth it just to see God do that crazy thing one time. It's worth it. 
it's worth it to pray these prayers. Because if you don't pray for God to do the impossible, he's not going to do the impossible in your life. There's something linked. I don't know why God wants to use us in this way, but there's something linked with prayer and God's action. If we don't pray, if we don't ask him to do it, he's not going to do it. So we need to partner with God and begin to pray that he would do the impossible. And that applies to your life. That applies to your dorm. That applies to your roommates. That applies to this campus. God wants you to begin to dream crazy dreams and pray crazy prayers for this campus and for your life. And to begin to see his interaction in your life and see him do these impossible things. So this leads me back to mine and Emily's journey over the last 18 months. And so as I said, from September to January, we were just in this season where God was asking us to be faithful, even though we'd just been crushed with the biggest disappointment of our life. And even as we continued throughout the six months to have our prayers go unanswered because we wanted because we wanted another pregnancy, we began to pray for that right away and they were just going unanswered. And then the new year dawned, you know, something about the new year. And Emily and I just both sensed this resurgence of faith and expectation. It was like we were back in the summer when we were praying with boldness and faith. And I won't get into all the details, but, but there's no way we should have gotten pregnant in January, considering our biology and all that stuff. I could explain it to you uh, one-on-one. But there's no reason why we should have got pregnant in January. Like It was a straight-up miracle that it happened. And it didn't make any logical sense. But despite that, I just felt like God said, pray that I would do it in January. Pray that I would do it now. Pray in such a way where you're praying that if I don't show up, then it's not going to happen. You can't attribute it to anything natural. So anyways, we began to pray. And I don't know if you remember, but at Wonder Night, which was February 2nd, I got up on stage. I think it was between worship and the sermon, if you were here. And I just said, I said that same thing I've been saying tonight, that sometimes God allows our back to get put up against the wall so that he can deliver us. And as I was saying that, Emily was in the process of getting pregnant. As I was saying that, in faith, I had not known yet. You know, five days later, we found out. But the whole season was just a season of trusting God even when I didn't understand. Of continuing to believe that he had good things for me. And I'm not saying I was perfect. There were some times that you probably would have been ashamed of me when I was praying. Like, I was mad at times. But I continued. And then we continued just to trust God and to believe for it. And I'm not saying every single thing you want to happen in life is going to happen. Sometimes they don't. But if God's told you that's going to happen, if he's given you a promise, if it's a good thing that's from God, then, then you can take it to the bank. You can trust him that he's going to come through on it. And I still don't understand, you know, why we lost the first one. But one thing I know is that if we hadn't, or we hadn't lost the first one, we wouldn't have this one, right? So as you guys get to know this new baby, hopefully here in October you begin to or get to know this baby, know that if we hadn't lost the first one, this one wouldn't be possible. So I don't know all the reasons. I don't understand the mind of God. There's lots of things I don't get. But I know this, that God calls us to be full of faith, to believe that he can do the impossible, and to believe for crazy things. And at the same time, God wants us to be faithful when things don't go our way, to trust him and to know that he is good, to know that God is good and that he has good intentions. So what impossible thing in your life is God calling you to believe him for? Consider that. All right, so there's just a couple more verses, and then we're going to be done. The worship team can come up now, actually. We'll have the band come up. The singers can come up when we pray. But so Daniel chapter 6, verse 25 through 28 says this. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and to fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the during the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So the last thing tonight, it's going to be a short point. When we leave a legacy of faith, we glorify Jesus and point people to him. 
So that's the whole point of it. That's the whole point of being a people full of faith. That's the whole point of being faithful even when things aren't going your way. It's because when you do that, you glorify God. And when you do that, you point people to him. Daniel's faith had inspired the king. The king was so inspired that he ordered all the people to tremble before Yahweh because he said that this God is a living God. He's not a dead God, but he's alive and his kingdom will not be destroyed. He's the one who delivers. He's the one who rescues. He works signs and wonders. He shuts the mouth of lions. He is the God of the impossible. So God calls us to have faith because when we have faith, when we believe him, when we allow our backs to get put up against the wall and we pray for God's deliverance and he does it, it brings him glory and it brings people to him. I pray that this would be a group you know, next week we're going to have vision night, and I'll talk about this a little bit, but I pray that this would be a group where people look at our group and they say, only God, only if God showed up could that happen. And I pray for your life, that people would look at your life and they would say, only God, only God, and that they would be drawn to him through your lives. So if we want to see God glorified in our lives and on the campus, we have to begin asking him to do these impossible things. We have to begin to ask God, all right, now I'm going to get specific, so get ready. We have to begin to ask God to empower us to reach our floors. There are people on your floor who are so far from Jesus, and you believe that they could never be saved. If you're, if you're truly honest, you don't believe that they could ever come to salvation. And tonight, God wants you to get your hopes up and to be, begin to believe that he could reach those people. God wants you to begin to pray for each person in your floor by name each night before you go to bed and say, God, I pray that you would show up in their lives and then watch him do it. God wants us to, to begin to ask him to heal people more often. I believe we need to see more divine healing in our ministry. We need to see more divine healing on our campus. God wants to ask us to begin to pray for people to be healed. God wants us to boldly ask him to empower us to grow our ministry and to have influence and hard to reach pockets of our university. There are some pockets of our university that you don't want to get close to at all because they're scary. But God wants to call you to believe that he could reach people even from those hard to reach pockets. So with that said, we have to start dreaming bigger dreams. We have to start praying bolder prayers. We have to start believing that God is actually God and not just some little religion we follow and some book we read and you know, we live a better life, but instead he's living and he can do the impossible in our lives. But remember, as we pray these bold prayers, God may not answer all of them. And even if he doesn't answer them, we still need to submit ourselves to God's will and to believe that he's good and to be faithful. So with that said tonight, the main idea is this. If we want to leave a legacy for Jesus, we have to have faith that believes that God is able to do the impossible and a faith that trusts him no matter our circumstances, no matter what happens. So I want to take a few minutes, a few moments here at the end to consider the implications of this idea. So tonight, maybe you came in here and you can relate with the season that Emily and I, I went through this last year where God's asking you to believe for the impossible. There are some impossible situations in your life, and God's asking you to have faith and to believe that he wants to do great things in your life. Do you believe that God wants to do great things in your life? Do you believe that? God wants you to, to begin believing that tonight. Or maybe God wants you to begin to pray for the healing of a family member or, or a friend, or to pray for the salvation of a difficult person. Or maybe God wants you to begin to invite people on your floor to small group. Or maybe you've asked to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and he hasn't done it yet and God wants you to believe that he wants to do it. 
Or maybe you can relate more with this season than when I went through more recently where God asks us to be faithful and to trust him despite the difficulty of our season and our lack of understanding. You know, maybe something's happened that just don't make sense. And God's asking you to trust him despite the fact that it doesn't make any sense. Like as much as you search the mind of God, you search his heart, you just, let's be honest, there's some things in this world that make no sense at all. There's no way to explain it. There's no cute little Christian phrase to give, like God won't give you anything more than you can handle or something like that. There's no, or everything happens for a reason. There's no phrase that can, that can make any sense of it. And, and tonight, God's not asking you to figure it out. That's the thing, you know, I struggle, and you know, I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher of the word, and I believe that I need to figure everything out in this world. Like, why does this happen? Why does this happen? And sometimes God calls us into this space called, or called mystery, where we submit ourselves to the fact that God is mysterious, that he's high above us, and we don't understand everything. And in that space, we say, God, I don't get you. Like, I don't even understand what you're trying to do, but I trust you. And I trust you're good. And the reason I know that you're good is because, God, you sent your own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. And if you would do that, if you, the king of glory, the king of all kings, would send his own son to die, or to die a bloody death for my salvation, I'm so filthy, if you would do that, then you must be good. So tonight, maybe you came in this room and you don't have a relationship with God and you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't even like, understand the things of the world. You don't get it all, but tonight you're compelled by the fact that, that God would send his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins. At the same time that you were unlovely, at the same time that you were so sinful and flawed, God said, even though you're so flawed, I love you more than you could ever dream and I'm gonna give my life for you. And tonight, God's asking you to have faith, you know, this idea of faith. That's or in Hebrews 11, it says that, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And God's asking you tonight to have faith that trusts him and that trusts in the sacrifice of Christ. It says, I don't get everything, but I trust that you died for me and that you love me. And I want to be your friend. I want to be your follower. So maybe tonight, God's going to just waken up your heart and draw you into relationship. Maybe that's where you're at tonight. So if you could all stand with me, we're going to close here and the singers can come up. So with that said, I just want to kind of, you know, tie a bow on our series. Uh, when we started this series, we just asked this question as seniors are about to leave us, which I'm really, really sad about. I don't want to think about two weeks from now. But as we think about that, we're, we're asking the question, what does it look like to leave a legacy for Jesus? And we talked about how we can leave a legacy for him when we are a person of influence. Like when we do things really well, and we say, like, oh, like, I might be frustrated or whatever, but I'm going to do everything with excellence. And we talked about how God calls us to be a people of the Spirit, and God calls us to be holy. And when we do those things, we can have influence on other people. And we talked about how even when the world is pushing us to conform to its patterns and its backwards thinking, God's called us to resist that and to have courage. And, and not to have courage in a way where we get angry at the world, but instead have courage that, that goes and lovingly engages the world. And then last week we talked about how God calls us to be a humble people. And when we're humble, when we're not about our own agenda, how God is glorified through that. And then finally tonight, I think we've discussed the most pivotal part of all this, and that's that if we want to leave a legacy, we have to be a people of faith, a people who believe that God is God and that trust Him no matter our circumstances. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give you two opportunities to respond.